0: This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hello and welcome to Broad Radio On The Go. My name is Cecilia. I am the producer that you don't see usually. But this week, I was on the show with Joe as co-host because Nellie Thomas, who was supposed to join us, actually came down with a bug the day before. Jen Wong was our other co-host. She is amazing. We've had her on the show before and it was lovely to have her back. We had a chat about why we love books and then we talked to Jane Caro. You might know her from Gruen, from her writing, where she has decided to run for the Senate and she talked to us about why and had some wonderful, well, tidbits for life to share with us. So here we are, ladies, the
1: <sighs> two of us, the three of the us, three the of two us. of you. Um, Jen, let's get to know you a little more. You are—you uh, y- were on the show last year because we loved your Ivy, ABC iView show Chopsticks or Fork, mm-hmm. which is all about Chinese restaurants in Australia and country. Mm, in in Australia, regional Australia. Regional Australia. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. loved that show. Um, but you're also, you know, you were here last night hosting an event for the Wheeler Centre.
2: Yes, with the Melbourne Comedy Festival. So Phil Wang from the UK has a new book out called Side Splitter, which is about his... um background being half Malaysian, Chinese and half British and how to be in two worlds at once. So we had a lovely conversation at the Wheeler Centre with the warmest audience in the world. You know how some audience participation questions can be a little bit more statement than question? Um, <laughs> Q&A. Yeah, um, whereas these were all really thoughtful questions and um, it was just such a lovely warm night. And such a nice thing to do at the start of the Comedy Festival as well um, in Melbourne. 500-something shows this year. Isn't that incredible?
0: Oh, look, I think we're all a bit – we're catching up on two years of of the drought of Mm. being around other people. But it's a bit intimidating, isn't it, being in the city and oh, seeing so I'm many people, you ready? I'm ready to just dive into crowds.
1: I'm crowd surfing. <laughs> I'm loving it so much. I will say, I've had COVID, so I feel a little bit invincible. Oh. I'm in that. I'm in that four week. You're state. in that mental state. You're yeah. in the four week phase when you are, are actually immune. I think. Okay. Yeah. You do have an
2: aura about you. Yes. Right? Yes. You've got the glow.
1: <laughs> um, but you also were host of Bookish on the ABC. And so because you are interviewing authors, right, mm. I'm going to guess that you have read a thousand more books than I have in the last five years. Uh, That's a lot of books, Joe. <laughs> I don't read many books. Well, um, maybe I'm exaggerating. But I'd love to imagine you... Peruse. Are you a quick reader?
2: I'm not a quick reader. I'm a very slow reader. I think I luxuriate too much in the fact that someone's put together a beautiful sentence. So I'm, I'm, I am I like to make it last. So I'm not a very fast reader. Um, I, I don't like to be hurried and I certainly don't like to be hurried when someone has given me this beautiful gift of their imagination or mm. their observations or things like that. So I'm probably one of the world's slowest readers.
1: Well, how do you manage then if you're hosting a, a, a book t-
2: show? A sh- yes. You get through them. Um Well, it was only a short show every week. And so there were probably two or three books. Um, And it was just doable because that was your job. And what Mm. a lovely job to have. Like um, working, I started working in bookshops when I was 14 years old. And the funnest thing was being able to borrow the books.
0: (laughs) Preview. uh, uh, Yeah, it was part of your job.
2: So you'd get to take all the books home. And I remember we set up the new bookshop. Um, in the neighbourhood as part of working there. And I went home that day and I said, Mum, today I touched every single book in the fiction section. Like I was just, I've always just really loved the the magical quality of, you know, like in Gumby, how yes. they go into the world. Like yes. I feel like that. Go like, into the page. Yeah, you touch the cover mm. and at the end of the book, you kind of close it again and go... Thank you. Like, oh, just, I love,
0: thank you. I love that you've referenced Gumby. I hadn't thought about that for so long, but what a great um, show. Yeah. I want to ask you about the, you just mentioned the sentences that, you know, mm. you'll, you'll come across a sentence. Do you go back and reread that sentence? Sometimes if I'm reading a book and I find something and I go, oh, I love that, yeah. I actually fold the bottom of the page Same. over so that I can come back.
2: Yeah, I do the top for the, for the I want to remember this, and I do the bottom fold for the this is where I'm up to. Oh, so, I do the reverse. Oh, yes. Yes. Top
0: for where I'm up to, bottom for come back. Yes.
1: I'm a lover of books too, but my mum's an English teacher or was an English teacher, as was your father. Mm,
0: yeah, and yes. amongst other yeah, amongst, subjects, yes. yes.
1: <laughs> so, you know, you're raised loving the word mm. and the language, but I guess I don't sort of make as much time for it and I love how much respect you have for the creation of it. It's really
0: beautiful. And Cess here records audiobooks. Mm. That's amazing.
2: You bring <laughs> the book to life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you know what's interesting? I was working with um, a producer the other day on a book and I said to him, for some reason I had a look at the Audible titles that I'd already worked on and the reviews. So the reviews are always interesting, right? But I didn't have one bad review when it came to the narrator and I was like oh I feel really chuffed with myself well I mean you know there was a lot of things that said the narrator was great or or something along those lines not you know in depth but no one said this was terrible that narrator was awful and I thought oh I feel really pleased with my efforts because Hmm. it's a big responsibility to create a character that is likable and fits the 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 story that you're reading. Mm.
2: Cecilia I've got to ask do you Mm. do voices when you do audiobooks? Yeah I do I do. For all the different characters? Yes. That is so fun.
0: Yeah but I've realized you can't do they can't be like characters like a an animation character. They just need to be that's a man or that's a lady and right. that's a different man so you to that can't man.
1: Do, like Homer and no, Moe and, and Marge. <laughs> yeah. and, oh. All the Simpsons books that you're um that you that you're <laughs> you narrating. I mean? Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. It's not a parody and it's not a comedy. <laughs> it's it's lovingly creating a yeah. voice for that. Yeah, character. for that
0: character. And you um, can't make them like hammy accented no, no, no they have no. to be culturally sensitive as well. So it's it's quite challenging but it is it's really fulfilling, but you do feel like you're drowning in words sometimes, well, yes. as my I'm favorite, sure you do.
1: Well, my favourite, when says shared with me once that she – I mean, you know, you have to read books that you might not choose to read They yourself. might not vibe with you, yes. Yes, so my favourite was when says shared with me that you had <laughs> to say that Uh, She was bouncing on his erect penis. Bouncing? That's quite a verb choice. What was going on with it? Oh, I know, I'm not, no
2: shade on you.
0: No, 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 and that was like the first page. So that one was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Oh, and some of the sex scenes are very, um, I don't know country women's association approved (laughs) let's say that because a lot of swans involved a lot of outback romance
1: anyway it's wonderful and thank you so much to both of you it's great to be uh, here being on the show and and that insight i just love it so much (laughs) before we get to our first guest i did want to do a little shout out Mm -hmm. to the amazing Alyssa healy who has become pretty much australia's well, she's one of our most successful cricketers. Yeah, incredible. She has broken Adam Gilchrist's record for the most runs in a Cricket World Cup final. What an amazing player. And, uh, yeah, she's, she's just a superstar. And I love that these women, their support, um, and each other as a team, but they're obviously inspiring a whole generation of girls to pick up a cricket bat.
0: Mm. It's amazing, though, with women's sports still, how little of it we know about I mean, our Australian women's cricket team are extraordinary mm. and unbeatable, basically. Mm. And it's only been maybe the last couple of months I even knew they really <laughs> were with, a force. With
1: respect, though, you're not a sports journo. No, I'm not a sports <laughs> journo,
0: but I just mean that they don't get the coverage. It's true. You know, that they deserve. But yeah. that that's changing, so it's that's true. good.
1: Yeah. Um, so congratulations to Alyssa Healy. All righty, let's get into mm. our first guest. Well, I have to say that... Um, I have really admired this woman with great passion. She is the sort of person that I think when I grow up, I want to be just like Jane Caro. She is the feminist voice that's been carried along by some very powerful um, insight. And she's, I think, a natural activist and someone who's very willing to speak out where other people perhaps aren't. You would see her on The Drum, Sunrise, ABC Radio, the list goes on. She's a Walkley Award winning Uh, author as well and she joins us now as now the independent
3: running for the Senate. Good morning Jane Caro. Good morning. I'm not actually an independent. I'm running for a small party called Reason Australia and you would know Reason in Victoria particularly because Fiona Patton has been an effective member in the Victorian Upper House and she of course is the one sitting member at the moment for Reason Australia Um, but we're running a whole lot of candidates in the forthcoming election some in the lower house in Victoria but most in the senate and I'm running in New South Wales for the senate here well the senate in Canberra but as the New South Wales um, representative of Reason Australia.
1: Jane you have such an extraordinary career so successful in so many different areas
3: it feels like quite a sacrifice to put your hand up for this. I don't know if it's a sacrifice, it's kind of a whole new adventure is the way I look at it Um, and a big kind of learning curve, but it's also uh, that I felt passionately, I suppose, that it was time I put my money where my mouth is. I mean, I have been, I suppose, activist and, and being active in the sidelines, but This seems to me like such a pivotal election. You know, we've got really wicked problems facing us. Climate change, uh, of course, is the uh, existential one. And we've just had more um, news from the IPCC, uh, their third report dropped this morning, that we've got until 2025, It's Mm -hmm. 2022, 2025, to actually turn around the increase of carbon emissions in our atmosphere. This is urgent. We have to do it now. And we know we have a current government that is if it does anything about the climate, it is dragged into it, kicking and screaming. It does not want to take action. And we would have to say that for the last 10 years, various iterations of the Liberal government has done everything they can to delay Australia taking action on climate change. So I just felt like I've got two grandchildren. If I want to look them in the face and say, I did everything I could to help make sure that the planet I leave to you is at least livable. Okay, it won't be in as good a state as the planet my grandparents left to me, and what a profound failure of our generation that is. But nevertheless, at least I will be able to look at them and say, I did absolutely everything I could. And I just hope every voter out there feels the same way when they look at their own children and grandchildren and wonder what life's gonna be like in 2060 if we don't move and move now. Oh, I love that
1: passion because certainly I feel enraged that mm. that it seems those in power don't care about their own children in that way.
3: It is Well, they're in denial, which is a terrible strategy. Denial is a terrible strategy in life. <laughs> it's a terrible strategy in every area of, of anything and it's particularly terrible if you're a government because the problem with denial is eventually reality will bite you in the bum. Because if it's happening, it's happening, whether you believe in it or not, whether you're prepared to face the truth of it or not. Any one of us who's had a lousy partner and who was in denial about that fact for some time knows just how big a (laughs) pile of poo you can get yourself in by not facing reality when it hits you in the face. Well, it's a lot worse when it's the entire planet that's going down the toilet. So, you know, we've got to get these deniers out of office, out of power, out of the media, Go. You are in the way. And we have the answers. We can fix this. We know what to do. We have the money to do it. We just need the political and the institutional will to do it. There are whole new opportunities out there for business. They've been champing at the bit to get into the green economy for a decade. But government has literally stood in their way. I mean, this is supposed to be a pro-government party, a pro-business party. Ah! <laughs> well, kind of business, the uh,
2: well put. I think we need more ha huh, in, in the in the world. And I wonder, Jane, you know, in your um, experience as an author, how you would like um, the next few uh, months to play out, you know, if you were to have your author hat on to write, you know, the rest of this story <laughs> in the next few months.
3: Well, of course. I come from behind, you know. Peter <laughs> Van Onselen on Twitter just a week ago said she, that I had no hope in his humble opinion. Uh-huh. Um, so obviously, if I was a novelist, you'd write that as obviously I come racing, you know, through. Um, so let's hope that happens. But um, real life, unfortunately, doesn't always work out the way novels uh, perhaps are constructed. So I'm doing everything I can. And I've got a really hard working, mostly volunteer team that are absolutely working their guts out uh, to get me into the Senate. Because it's really great if, as the polls seem to indicate, we get a uh, progressive, and particularly progressive in terms of climate change, women's rights, public infrastructure, integrity, all those things that are so top of mind for people now. It's great if we get a progressive House of Reps, but if we have a reactionary Senate full of you know, people who are still climate deniers, anti-women's rights, Uh, you know, privatises wazoo, nothing is going to change. So while it's a really big ask uh, to try and get the final Senate seat in a state like New South Wales or indeed in Victoria because of the way the quotas work and the way the the number of um, votes you have to get, it's really important that we actually get a progressive Senate as well as a progressive House of Representatives if we want to make a real difference and start to take the the action we need to take so very badly to make Australia the country it has the potential to be a forward-thinking, progressive, um, you know, ex- net exporter of renewable energy. There's so many jobs and opportunities just waiting to be grasped if we could just get the dead hand of vested interests <laughs> of fossil fuel people off our necks, frankly.
2: Mother's Day is around the corner.
0: Jane, I love it. I love that you've got the passion and I think you're obviously at that point in your life where you're like, well, what have I got to lose? So that's a good thing. Uh, but can I ask you, what, what was it about the Reason Party that made you decide that they were the ones you were going to um, join in with?
3: Well, the first and simplest answer to that is they uh, rang me up and asked me. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> easy. <laughs> you know, easy. Easy. But then I did my due diligence and I looked into them quite carefully because they're a relatively new party. They're an amalgamation of Fiona Patton's original uh, sex party and um, the voluntary euthanasia party. But basically what I saw I really liked. Their policies and my beliefs pretty much straight down the line, tick, 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 tick. But also they have a real commitment, and this is what swayed me, is to evidence-based policy making informed by experts, you know, the people who've studied it all their lives yeah. or the people who actually work in the sector, <laughs> you know, those people who actually know what's happening and know what, what needs to be done, not consultants, not bureaucrats, experts, informed by experts that aims to minimise harm, reduce suffering and enhance people's lives without being influenced by ideology or belief of any kind, including religious. In other words, let's look reality in the face and do what needs to be done. I know it's a radical idea. Who could ever have thought of doing that? But that's what the (laughs) party stands for, hence the name. You know what I love? Use your noggin. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I love that you bring also,
1: Jane, which I think um, comes with women uh, over a certain age. I turned 50 this year and I'm certainly, I've been very vocal about the fact that I, I can feel my no bullshit muscle coming in hard right um
0: yeah.
1: and we've I, put up with enough we're 50. <laughs> it's true and I can see you uh in the senate just taking no prisoners just speaking the truth in the same way that we see so many of, of you know independents Jackie Lambie and the like you know Zali Stegall some incredible women who are willing to actually speak truth Um, because you're not beholden to a party in the same way. But I love that I think that you are embodying a power that middle-aged women really
3: step into. Well, to be perfectly honest, I'm not middle-aged. I'm not going to live to be 130. But um, (laughs) I am uh, definitely in the latter uh, years of, you know, I'm in the youth of my old age, I like to say. And I do think that the older you get, in a way the more impatient you become because you realise that you've only got X amount of time to actually do the things, change the things that you have cared about all your lives. So I think there is a real head of steam up amongst women above a certain age. I see it in young women too, which is so wonderful. I'm so impressed by young women like Grace Tame, Brittany Higgins, Saxon Mullins, uh, Chanel, Contos, um, Harley, Greta Thunberg. I mean, there's so many young women who are coming up with the same sort of urgency and take no prisoners attitude. And that's such a change because young women, when I was a young woman, were much more deferential. They had much less confidence. They were much more easily undermined. I was a real, like, weirdo when I was a young woman. Um, Now I seem to have a lot more in common with my peers than I did back then, because yes, they got layered in bullshit all the way through their lives. And eventually you turn around and go, actually, I've been sold a pup. This is all crap. Everything I was told that I could rely on in my life has not done so. I mean, We only have to look at the trajectory of women over 55, fastest growing group amongst the homeless. So many of them living in so many of them who were the good girls when I was growing up who did what they were told by male society, by religious leaders, by politicians. Oh, don't you worry about a career, marry, have children and you'll have a lovely life. Well, what a crock of shit that (laughs) turned out to be. They're the girls. They're the girls who are currently facing homelessness. Not bolshie feminists like me, no, but the good girls, the good girls who did what they were told. My, I am so angry and moved by the situation of so many of the women that I grew up with and the dire straits they find themselves in because they put caring for others ahead of their right to earn an income as they were told to do. And so no wonder they are furious. Older women are a force to be reckoned with. Go and look at all the volunteers for the independence. Go and look at uh, all the people who helped Zally Steggall get elected in 2019. So many of them, older women. We are invisible. We are discounted. But do that at your peril.
1: Jane, this has been (laughs) a a battle cry that I've needed. I'm fascinated because I was a good girl and I've only learned to be outspoken in the last few years. I've kind of realised how much I silenced myself, Um, so you were always an outspoken person. If this is the case, how can you help those of us who are a little fearful of speaking out?
3: Well, the first thing to do is to not blame yourself. You just said you silenced yourself. You didn't, you were told to be silent, and you were told that if you were silent, you would get rewarded because people would like you, and you would be approved of. And when you look at the dominant culture, which is still white and male, you know, you, can, you make a decision. I've got to survive. I've got to get through the world. Those guys are at the top and they've got all the power. So lots of women try to fit around the space that they can get around that, you know, huge thick layer of men, as Laura Lizzie calls it. <laughs> and um, frankly, I, that's completely understandable. That is not because you're weak or stupid or anything else. That's how you were brought up. To behave, and I'm not blaming your parents either. Elizabeth Broderick said it best. She's the ex-sex discrimination commissioner. She said, "Misogyny is like asbestos in the walls. We breathe it in, so we're all trained in this way." Now, I was lucky. My mother was an outspoken feminist. My father thought uh, the world of women, and he adored my mother. As far as he's concerned, they're still both alive. They're having their ninetieth joint 90th birthday party on um, Sunday. They, um, he, as far as my father's concerned, my mother is the smartest person he's ever known. He's quite right. Um, But that kind of background was a gift and it was rare. So don't blame yourself. We internalize the humiliation that's meted out to us in a male dominated world, the lack of respect, the lack of uh, recognition of our experiences, perspectives and ideas. So let go of the self-criticism and remember, you're an imperfect person and the thing I did learn was that there is no right way to be a woman and I think when you're young, you try terribly hard to find that magic trick which will make you approved of as a woman, what is it you have to do? There's actually no right way to be a woman, you can only be wrong. That's all you can be a woman. (laughs) So you may as well be wrong entirely in your own way and not worry about it. Trying to be liked and approved of is a terrible way to live your life. What you want is to be respected and heard. And some people won't like you and lots of people won't approve of you. So what? Who cares? That says a lot more about them than it does about you. Once you can absorb that and really start to believe it viscerally, and it's not an act of will, it takes time, forgive yourself when you fail, that's the biggest thing women should do, forgive themselves and other. We're constantly criticising ourselves on one another. Wrong enemy, wrong enemy. We're not the problem. And we don't all have to agree and we don't all have to look after each other all the time. We're allowed to be human, we're allowed to be flawed, we're allowed to be lazy, we're allowed to be flatulent, we're allowed to be boring, <laughs> just like men. And we're still allowed to get ahead and be respected.
0: Thank you for the permission to be oh, flatulent. Oh,
3: Jane, ja, uh, flatulent and bored. That's
1: my that's my favourite Saturday night. I think they go together very well, don't they? <laughs> oh, Jane, it's so lovely to hear you give that incredibly important pep talk. I'm taking that into my day. Thank you so much. Thank you for standing for the Senate. We wish you well. I can't let you go also without acknowledging. I've just started reading your latest book, The Mother which I love um I'm just a little way in but it's it's a really beautiful book and it's it's obviously you're someone who's raised daughters because you are you are writing
3: the relationship between mother and daughter so beautifully (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Fortunately, my own daughters have read the book and we still have a reasonable relationship, which is um, enormously relieving to me.
1: <laughs> no, it's a really beautiful book and I haven't got into the heart of it yet. And I know that it's a, a very important book because it's about coercive control and, and the, the terrible you know, crisis that we're in as far as our violence against women is concerned. So it's a really important book and I really encourage you to read it. And thanks for writing it, Jane.
3: Well, thank you and thank you for um, speaking about it so positively. It's another reason why I want to get into the Senate to do something about women's safety and the way we do not take women's suffering, pain and psychological trauma seriously. Mm, Amazing. Um, Jane, all the best.
1: Thank you so much uh, for joining us. We'll have to have you on another time because, yeah, yeah. as I say, you're the feminist I hope to grow up to be one day.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Anna, be your own kind.